focus, focus up. Big Brad out in Harrison. I'm talking to you, buddy. Thanks for watching. All right. Welcome to episode 13 of the Rubio Method. This one is going to be fantastic. Monahan, welcome. You guys are going to love our guest. On today's episode, we're going to cover our favorite sports, nerve-wracking moments. Rubio being bald. Yes, I did just go third person there. The UCLA Bruins and John Wooden. Some hockey and the quest for perfection. Christian, I'm out. Focus. Focus up. Strawberry loving pie, man. Ben Smith, what's up? Thanks for watching. I'm talking to you. Mo Minute with Monahan, go. Yeah, today we are going to be talking about burnout. It happens to everybody. And I've got five tips for you when you're starting to feel burnt out. Number one, disconnect. I know it sounds so easy, but disconnect. If you like to go to the mountains or you like to go to the, you know away, disconnect. Get out of there. Number two, pay attention to your body signals, right? If you're always tired, you're exhausted, you're cranky, you're just in a mental fog, go ahead and pay attention to that and give yourself a break. Number three, along with that, schedule relaxation. You don't got to do everything all at once. Take time. And yes, I'm talking to myself when I read this. Um, and number four, get organized. It sounds crazy, but a lot of the burnout comes from disorganization and running everywhere at a thousand miles an hour. So just get organized. That helps tremendously. You'll feel so much better. And then last is lean on your support system. Lean on people around you. They're there for you. They're, they want to encourage you. Let them help you out in your burnout. Monahan, that was fantastic. And I'm going to say this for all the dudes out there. As much as you don't want to, because we're famous for not asking for directions, it's okay to write everything down. He gave you five points. Write them all down and kind of follow them. I put a lot of stuff in my phone under the notepad section. That seems to help me out. Set the little reminders. Monahan, do we have some website questions? Yes, we do. Let's go. Number one, we all know you guys played football, but what is your favorite, to, favorite sport to play and or watch? I'm going to take this one first. Um, hockey, which is going to be awesome for today's guest. I love hockey. I grew up in Chicago. I lived in Minnesota where they'd freeze the baseball fields over in the wintertime to play. I love it. And I was a photographer for the NHL, so can't get any better than that. What about you, Rubio? Um, I actually do like watching hockey a lot. We're going to talk about that. You've kind of got me a little bit more into it to show me how to watch it. We'll talk about that later as well. Um, I used, I grew up in Los Angeles, loved watching the Dyers. I loved watching the Lakers. Uh, this is going to sound like an old man's statement right now, but I, I can't watch the game anymore because it's so different than when I grew up. You had the eighties and nineties Lakers, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, obviously not with the Lakers, but the same time frame. the Chicago Bulls, Monahan, that goes back to your era. And it, to me, and I'm going to sound like an old man again, it was more of a pure form of basketball there. You know, if you fouled, you could literally like, forearm shiver someone in the throat and that was just one foul not you know kicked out for a week suspension so i i, I want to say basketball but i can't i'm more of a hockey guy and of course you know fourth downs in football i don't watch the rest of the game just fourth downs love that fourth down army i forgot to mention that was from Allie in san luis obispo california so we got to give her a shout out um next question when you guys were playing football in college 
What was the moment where you felt most nervous? I will answer that again. It sounds crazy, but when I played in, in games, I was pretty chill. It was easy. I just felt like it was me and my boys out there and we were humming, but it was practice that I hated because the whole team is literally on top of you. Same with your coaches. And for whatever reason, that's when I was always nervous. What about you, Rubio? I remember one time, I think it was my junior year. It was uh, UCLA, the team that I played for versus USC, which is our rivals. And it was a double overtime victory game. Of course, we won. That's neither here nor there. Uh, but it was, I think, the end of regulation. And I remember looking upside down. I was the long snapper looking at the scoreboard. And we were one point down going for the PAT to get, you know, obviously get one point. And I remember looking upside down and seeing the scoreboard. The clock was zero, zero, zero. Just had a, this kick was either going to tie it or we we're going to lose. And I remember going, oh, my God, do not mess this up. But in that same exact moment, so this was like a 10-second moment that lasted two hours for me. I remember thinking to myself, if you do mess it up, I guarantee there's people out in this world that do not care what's happening. And I, it kind of calmed me a little bit that, yeah, there was 102,000 people at the Rose Bowl, probably 7 million watching. But there's some person in Bangladesh or Bora Bora that has no idea what the hell I'm doing and could care less. That is true. That's a really good way to look at it. Um, and again, I forgot that was Philip in Dallas. I need to give my, my homies some shout outs here. Last question. This is Pat in Idaho. He says, Rubio, two part question for you. Do you actually have hair? And have you ever thought about wearing a hairpiece? Pat in Idaho, I'm dying for this answer too. Rubio, what do you got? <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have hair. I mean, I started shaving my head. I think it was probably 26, 27 because it was getting a little, you know, the little power alleys turns into the cul-de-sac and you got to, you got to nip that in the bud before it happens. You can't be that guy that kind of just keeps it going forever and ever and ever. And so I started shaving it then figured, okay, I got a decent shaped head. That's half the battle. So I kept going with it and kind of came my little brand, so to speak. Would I ever consider a hairpiece or a wig? No. And this goes back to family issues. My grandfather, big, big Italian man, had a hairpiece. And I remember growing up and seeing this thing, because I think it had its own cage or a box, or I don't know what the hell you put him in, and looking at it and going, what, what the hell is that? And I remember my family saying it was super, super expensive. And the thing with hairpieces, nothing against anyone that wears a hairpiece, but if you don't put it on perfectly, it's automatically screwed up and they normally don't look really, really sharp unless you get like a billion dollar one. So he would have it on and some days it was like a beret, some days it was like a yarmulke, some days it was over here. And so it was just so, so bad. And so from that point on, I was like, I, I just can't do it. Sorry, grandpa, he's been passed away for a while. So he's probably just gonna haunt me in my nightmares tonight. That's it for the website questions. We're gonna come back with our guest. You're gonna absolutely love this guy. Christian, I'm out. What do you think you're doing, Kevin? I uh, was just gonna drive home. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, there are several warning signs present that you shouldn't be driving. Like hearing voices? Like your text to emoji ratio? Oh man, the selfies. <laughs> Selfie nailed it. We all have warning signs that let us know that we're probably not okay to drive. Mine is pretending to be your subconscious. Craig, come on man, let's put a ride home. Focus, focus up. Charles Wallace out in Philly. I'm talking to you. Thanks for watching on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Google, of course, ngbn.tv. And remember, if you guys have any questions, you can email Rubio at therubiomethod.com. Time for our guests. You're going to absolutely love this guy. His name is Tony Luffman.
We met way back in college. It was like five years ago. Actually, it was over 20 years ago at UCLA, one of the greatest greatest schools, if not the best school in the country, of course. Tony is a famous TV host that has worked with the Memphis Grizzlies, the Portland Trailblazers, St. John's University, WWE, CBS Sports, and is currently with the NHL Network. Tony, thanks for coming out, my man. Anything for Chris Rubio, and I want the listening audience and viewing audience to know it's my fault that I am not on video. I am incompetent when it comes to setting up my own equipment. I also want you to know that when Rubio mentions how long we've known each other, I knew he was destined for great things. There have been three people in my life that I've met where I knew they were destined for great things. A guy I work with at MLB slash NHL Network named Billy Lee, Rubio, and a guy named Tim Duncan who played basketball and ended up playing in a league called the NBA. There you go. Boom. Three for three. Tony and I are one of those, we're those guys that we used to hang out in college, not hang out a lot, a lot, but we would hang out on this thing called Bruin Walk. It was this main highway that just went through uh, campus right there on West in Westwood. And we would just talk and talk and talk. And he has the gift of gab and I have the gift of gab. And uh, <laughs> we've said before, we've made many each other late to class many, many a time. And yesterday was actually, or a couple of days ago was the first time that I'd spoken to Tony in some time. And I thought it was going to be just a quick five minute. Hey, how's it going? Here's how the show's going to roll. Blah blah blah. Everything's good with the family. And it turned into 48 minutes of entertainment. So I'm very very excited for this conversation, Tony. I have three quick questions for you, Tony. Number one, in the mid 1990s, who was the greatest overall athlete at UCLA? And you, of course, you cannot say me. <laughs> um, Jonathan Ogden. And I think that'll surprise people because they think of him as the Pro Football Hall of Famer. The basketball team, as you well know, uh, would play in men's gym or the Wooden Center. And the football team would also play in there. And Jonathan Ogden was the best basketball player that didn't play on the basketball team. 6'8", 329, and footwork like a ballerina and intelligence and just phenomenal. And you saw him up close, so you can attest to the fact that he was very good at, and, and you pointed out when we talked the other day, track and field, the guy was special in so many ways. He was just an absolute freak. I think he actually kind of got in, this is a funny story, kind of got into shot put because he just didn't want to do spring football. He's like, ah, I'm kind of tired, I don't <laughs> want to do spring ball. So let me just get into track and throw the shot. But, and then he ended up like, you know, an inch or two away from going to the Olympics. The dude was just a freak athlete. He had like, I, I believe it was almost a 1500 on his SAT. I remember the two things I, I remember it. about him the most was the first time I ever met him. We're going through, it was my freshman year, going through the cafeteria line. And he showed up late because he was coming from Washington, D.C. I believe that's where he lived. And I'm going through the cafeteria line and I'm, you know, just an 18 year old chubby freshman just trying to survive in life. And I've got my little tray and I'm going down the line, going down the line. And I looked to my left and I heard rumors that this Jonathan Ogden was here and I knew he was a freak O lineman, but I didn't know anything about him because I didn't watch a lot of football back then. I still don't. And I remember turning to my left and seeing a human. Wait a second. Waste. 
And I, and I, yeah, oh, we'll get back to that. And I looked and I go, what the hell's that? And that was the, one of the largest human beings I'd ever seen in my life. Cause I was leaning over a little bit, but I looked over and I was pretty much belt level with this human being and his head. If you ever pull a picture of Jonathan Ogden's head is just massive. And I have a big head and it made mine look like a pea. That's number one. Number two, <laughs> I remember in offensive lineman drills, I used to go watch them because I was a long snapper. So I had a lot of free time and I just kind of meander around talking to the people doing, you know, pressing the flesh, kissing the babies, do what you have to do. And I remember they used to do one-on-one drill and he was famous for literally just spider webbing a human being where the guy would try to go on his outside. He was left tackle, go on his outside and he would be able to just grab them with one hand and his arms were so freakishly long and he would just stop them. And they were basically stuck in Ogden's spider web. And I just said, oh, my gosh, no this is not a normal human being at all. Tony, number two. You've lived Hold on, on real quick. Coasts. You're like Derek ahead, Jeter. Uh, Jeter didn't watch baseball when he wasn't playing it. I never mm-hmm. knew that you didn't watch a lot of football. Uh, that's surprising no. to me. I never did. I still don't. I, at, for per my job, all I do is I DVR. Can you still say DVR? TiVo, whatever you call it, games. And then I just fast forward to fourth downs. That's all I do. I watch the the PATs or punts, and then I I don't care who wins. I don't even know. <laughs> Tony, you please continue with your show. Yeah, no, no problem, no problem. You've lived on both coasts, east and west. Which one is the best? Uh, the weather, uh, west coast. It's. I love a lot of things about the East Coast, but the weather, I'm cold a lot of the time. And by a lot, I mean like all the time. And then now it's hot and sticky. So like I shower yeah. and then I walk outside and I'm like, what happened? It's the, but why did I do that? Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm fully convinced I'm the first ever human being. I've said this on the show before that I'm allergic to humid, humidity. I simply cannot stand it. I refuse to. I, I don't even understand what's happening there. <laughs> Tony, you said that your favorite movie is Shawshank Redemption as an adult. Between sixth and say sixth grade in high school, what was your favorite childhood movie? Rocky Four, and there's no hesitation. And I quote it all the time. I host a show. As you mentioned, NHL Network, it's about hockey. I repeat, about hockey. And I constantly bring up Rocky Four, And people look at me often like, are you serious? And the answer is yes. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And Rocky's one of those rare, rare, if not the only one besides maybe The Godfather, that the sequels were as good, if not better, than the original. Exactly. Exactly. And it ended the Cold War. You want art to impact life? Rocky saying, if I can change and you can change, then everybody can change. Next thing you know, Berlin Wall topples. Mikhail Gorbachev, you know, I want art to have that kind of impact. (laughs) Not only does he stun Drago and avenge the death of Apollo Creed. I mean, it's just, it's so moving. I'll watch it. If it's on TNT or whatever, I'll write it in. It doesn't matter what part well, of the movie you, you, it is. I will here, watch here's the a entire fun thing. Fact for you. Here's a fun fact for you where I live. You know, Ivan Drago actually went to WSU, which is about 30 miles north of me. And he's like a neuroscientist or a brain, whatever, rocket scientist. What? You? Oh, I got Tony on a little stat right there, daddy. And I yeah, live for trivia. 
Yeah, I was gonna say that that's your Cliff Clavin right there. There you go. <laughs> All right, Tony, you and the I Cliff Clavin reference. So this is why I was late to class. Yep. My favorite stand-up comedian in Los Angeles was Chris Rubio. <laughs> and he's just touring Bruin Walk. It was amazing. What you could do in college and right now, <laughs> that's Rubio. And oh, by the way, he's well, like the greatest czar in the history of long snapping. <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Tony, you and I are both obviously UCLA Bruins. One of the most famous, famous, you can't say the word UCLA without saying the word John Wooden. One of your favorite quotes yeah. is, the main ingredient is the rest of the team, obviously from John Wooden. My first big question to you is, do you think John Wooden would have success in today's game with today's athletes and their attitudes? Absolutely. And it's because of his adaptability. His greatest strength was his ability to connect with young people. He was a teacher, first and foremost. I got to spend dozens of hours with him one-on-one, -on -one, and that was my favorite college class. And I heard story after story after story, not from him, but more from around the guys that played for him, where he was ahead of his time. The two coaches that I can say that about are Vince Lombardi, and John Wooden. Vince Lombardi's brother was gay, and Vince Lombardi was so accepting and uh, way ahead of his time. Think about when he coached. Coach Wooden mm -hmm. was way ahead of his time when it came to race relations, whether it was Kareem or Lucius Allen. You, you would hear stories when he t uh, coached at Indiana State College. His team competed uh, and got to like the championship game of, of whatever tournament they play in, it wasn't the NCAA tournament, and they wouldn't allow the African-American players to stay in the same hotel or something. And Coach Wooden got his team to agree to not play because what he said to them in the 50s or 60s, whenever he was there was, this isn't right. I mean, think about where our country was. So my point yeah. in bringing those things up was he had the understanding of people and empathy and more than anything else, he was a smart guy. And the smartest coaches are the ones that are able to adapt and change and grow with the game. Yes, indeed, he would have been successful. That's phenomenal. And, you know, Jeff, Jeff's uh, one of our editors. If you can throw up the pyramid of success right in here, right around this time, that'd be great. And if you guys obviously don't know who John Wooden is, you obviously need to. And we just got a little blurb here from, Christian, the man behind the man, the director, producer, engineer, who he looks like Alan. Well, he, his voice is Alan Thick. I, I, I've seen pictures, but it's not really him. Um, he says that Drago <laughs> has got a PhD in chemical engineering. So that no is way. pretty darn impressive. Yeah. So, Tony, I grew up in Los Angeles. I believe you grew up in the Orange County area. I was not really involved in the world of hockey. Right now, you are very, very involved in the world of hockey. I finally, probably, I think it was in college, I went to my first Kings game. We had the, the Kings and the Ducks and all that good stuff. But I was more of a football, baseball, basketball guy, maybe even a little golf, whatever. I finally go to my first hockey game, and I am blown away. I said, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. The, the dudes are freak athletes. They're skating like ballerinas, but they're six foot four, 230. I mean, the aggression, the rage is absolutely phenomenal. 
My question is to you, because once I watched it in person, I was all in. Then I go home and I'm like, I'm going to start watching hockey. It's not as good on TV for me. How would you get more people to watch hockey on TV and increase its overall footprint with the whole country? Get people to do exactly what you did. Go and see it in person because of exactly what you described. If it were up to me, I would have you in a commercial for the NHL do exactly what you just did. Yes, because the, the, the rage, the way you described that, the ballerina thing, when I'm up close and I see these athletes, the only thing I would add in, and so it would have to be longer than 30 seconds, is that it's the ultimate team sport. I remember yes. at UCLA when I was a ball boy, uh, in 92, the team did not have a great season. The next year, won the conference crown, played in the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin. But... Th- the offense didn't love the defense and vice versa. Uh, in hockey, everybody relies on everybody. So like Wayne Gretzky, the most he played in a game was, you know, maybe 20, 25 minutes. So he's sitting there watching a lot of the game. Other than the goalie, everybody's in and out and it's line changes and it's shift on the fly. It is truly a sport where everybody respects and appreciates every single guy on the team. And I love that about it. I love it. Well, it, it, and and that's one of the things I noticed when I was actually at the arena. It was, I think, it was actually the form at that point. It it was the form. Is all the line changes? You don't even realize that. Okay, you these guys are leaving. These guys are coming back, and it's just like this, almost like this beautiful dance of human beings that are six foot four with seven teeth that want to re- rip each other's hearts out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> so well described. Uh, the, the thing about it is that you, of all people, have as great an appreciation as is possible because I remember on the Bruins sideline, they would say punt ready or field goal ready, and they would have you guys stand on that mat. In mm-hmm. hockey, it is, you know, they'll call a line, but so few times are there too many men on the ice that they do it like a dance, that they're able to make those shifts. And it's so fast. You see it in person. Once Mm -hmm. again, on TV, you don't get to see that. But that's one of the elements that is just remarkable about the game. Absolutely. Tony, let's switch gears a little bit because this show is obviously about men's mental health and just men's health overall. One of the things you say a lot is that perfection is not a healthy pursuit for you. Can you explain that a bit more? And do you think it can or should pertain to everyone? I'll tell you, for me, it what changed my life was having kids because it helped put in perspective what's really important. There are two brothers that played in the NHL a few years ago. They both played. Uh, their last name was Shen, S-C-H-E-N-N. One scored a lot of goals. The other one was more of a physical presence. And I got it wrong when I did a highlight. And the whole 40 minutes driving home, I just beat myself up. Now, we're on live for like three hours. It makes sense that I'm going to make a mistake. That's not that big a deal. Plus, they're brothers. Like, it's an understandable mistake. The big picture is that's not what I should have taken home and and thought about. It's the spirit of the thing that matters. And having children helped me realize that 
perfection is an unhealthy thing to strive for. We're missing out. And when I say we, those of us that focus on perfection, it's really an unattainable goal, at least consistently. Uh, and I, I want people to feel joy and fulfillment. And when I see my children, I'm proud of them just for breathing. I would never set that standard for them. And perfection for me ruined a lot of joy. Because even when I would have a good, solid performance, I would dwell, I would fixate on whatever mistake I made, that Chen thing. And one of my coworkers said, Tone, they're brothers. It's not that big a deal. He said it well. Yeah, and I talked about, I mean, this is going to play into the next question as well, but you, with athletes especially, I mean, you, there's no way, I mean, no, no athlete's ever been perfect, whether it's Tiger Woods, Arnold Palmer, whether it's Andre the Giant, if we go WWF style or WWE, you know, if you got <laughs> Michael Jordan, how many, I mean, I just saw a stat of how many he, you missed like 28 game winners there. I mean, Joe mm -hmm. Montana, date myself a little bit, but either Tom Brady, it's, it, you can't, it, it's impossible to be perfect. It's just literally impossible. And I think for the next generation, I think our, our, our men's mental health, I think between ages like 40 and 70, like we're talking about, the more we can figure out like, okay, dude, it, it's okay not to be perfect. It's not obtainable. You can be pretty damn close. And that's what I think you're, you're saying is that you can be pretty close, but it, it, perfect is impossible. And the bottom line, I love the point that you made is that a show like this is so important. I want to be entertained. I want to be informed. But more than anything else, I, I want to have enrichment. I want to get better as I get older. The worst thing I think somebody can say is what they wrote in your high school yearbook. Don't change. We want to change. Yeah. We want to evolve. This show helps that happen. And I'm grateful that you guys do it. And... I'm thankful that you're doing what you're doing because you can do it and make us laugh as we grow and improve. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. I do. Tony, you've been involved in the sports world for a long, long time, whether participating, coaching, now announcing, you've seen countless highs and countless lows. What would be your best advice or what advice have you been given about not getting too high, not getting too low? which is a Coach Wooden statement, and I'm glad you brought it up, it's that the joy is in competition, and by that I mean the thrill of being a part of a team. I can't speak to individual sports. And two, even though you and I never played on the same team, we're both part of UCLA Athletics, it's that life essentially is an individual sport. You've got your family and that's a team. But in sports, similarly, even though you're not related, there's that similar bond. And man, is that cool to appreciate that. That's what for me kept me from getting too high or too low is that I was a part of a group and we were all dealing with the same stuff. When we won, we felt great. When we lost, we felt bad, but we were doing it together. And I've heard that the cruelest punishment is solitary confinement. It's the opposite of that. In sports, you're doing it together. 
I remember you and Sailor, I saw you guys together a lot. You guys were going through it together. And that to me is the most special thing about sports. And it goes back to the quote from earlier, the main ingredient in stardom is the rest of the team. The team, you're part of a team that's special. Tony, that was absolutely beautiful. Where can people find you if they want to find out some more information on Tony Luffman, just NHL Network? I know you're not too active on yes. social media. So yeah, NHL Network. The that's NHL the Network. Line. Yes, and I, to follow up on the previous point, I'll use a line from Apollo 13. I'm only the most visible member of a very large team, and all of us are honored to be a part of it. There's a lot of great people behind the scenes, and I, I wish time permitted me to say their names, but instead I'll just say we've got the best crew, and I'm so proud of what we do, and I'm so proud of the sport of hockey because it's progressive and inclusive. It's a sport we can all celebrate and be part of. And it's unbelievable if you've not visited or watched a hockey game in person, even if it's a, you know, a minor league, a lot of times where that's a, a fight where a hockey game breaks out, that's just as good. They are absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. I, <laughs> I, I highly recommend Tony. I appreciate you coming on. I really, really do. We'll talk a little bit more later. Speaking of the guy behind the guy that puts everything together, Christian, I'm out. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. And now, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading at unitedthroughreading.org. Here's to the straggly ones, the first ones. But hey, I look good with this ones. The black, brown, red, and gray ones. The itchy ones. The ones grown by dad. The ones grown for dad. The I nearly didn't do it this year ones. And the absolutely filthy ones. They all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives. Because whatever you grow will save a bro. Learn more at Movember.com. Focus, focus up. Talking to you, Johnny Weeks. What's going on, man? Thanks for watching on YouTube, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and of course, NGBN.TV. If you have any questions, feel free to email rubio at therubiomethod.com. Glad you guys enjoyed that interview with Tony Luffman out at NHL Network. He's obviously phenomenal, phenomenal human being. Great, great storyteller. That guy is full of facts. Let's get to the bottom line. Number one, yes, it, in quotations, can be big for you, but it, quotations again, might not be big for everyone, and that is actually a good thing. That comes back to our basically our email questions of, you guys have played big college football, how did you get you know over the stress level of it? You gotta remember, what might be big to you, and don't get me wrong, it is probably big to you, is probably not big to everyone in the world, and that is okay. Sometimes you have to just, that they say, look from a 30,000 point view or foot view, I don't do the business terms and just kind of realize that it, not everyone's going through the same thing as you. It's not as big a deal to everyone and that's okay. You'll get survived just like they have survived. Number two, 
Perfection, also in quotations, might not be what you think it is. This is exactly what we talked about with Tony, where, you know, striving for perfection is not really obtainable. There's no athlete that's ever done it. There's no person that's ever done it. I mean, it's just one of those things that it's just impossible and it's okay not to be perfect. If you're striving for perfection, you're going to fail at some point. And as men going through 40 to 70 years old, you're going to find a lot of flaws, a lot of issues at times, and you have to realize it's okay. And the third thing in the bottom line segment, sometimes the middle of the road is the best part of the road to be on. Obviously not on a freeway or a standard street, but we're doing a metaphor here. And that was when we talked to Tony about not getting too high and not getting too low. You don't want to be too high because then you can come down. You, you don't want to be too low because then you're too low. Sometimes the middle of the road is the road that you want to be on. And that's exactly what we always talk about. Just plug it along. Keep on moving. Keep on moving. Keep on moving. Anyway, thank you guys for watching episode, I believe it is 13 of the Rubio Method. Man, we've done a lot. That's great for us. Uh, make, make sure you uh, keep spreading, subscribing, YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Google, and of course, NGBN.com. TV. Christian, I'm out.